Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, I'm Joe Levy, and on the latest episode of Inside the Studio, I sat down with one of the all-time great singer-songwriters, James Taylor. We talked about his new album, where his music comes from, and how telling his life story through his songs has helped him. Music saved my life, but I was lucky also to survive. I did some very stupid, some some years that were, were just really high risk, unnecessarily so, and a lot of people around us died, you know. So join me, Joe Levy, editor-at-large at Billboard, for this and other in-depth conversations with the biggest artists in music. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Hey folks, and welcome to Movie Crush. It's Chuck Bryant here, and uh, boy, I gotta tell you, this week is a pretty special episode. Uh, this one needs a little bit of setup, and I urge you to uh, to listen to this one, because the background of Tig Notaro's interview and how this thing started was, uh, well, well, here's here's what went down. So, I had met Tig before at her uh, comedy festival that she curates every year, Benson Ball in Washington, D.C., and uh, Josh and I do our Stuff You Should Know live there uh, usually every year and was lucky enough to meet her last year. And uh, she's just really sweet and a very nice person. And so I hit her up to be on this show because she was coming through town to perform. And uh, she said yes. It was uh, very sweet of her to do so. And so day of the show, waiting for her to get here, texting with her assistant who was traveling with her. And uh, they said, all right, she's here. Meet us downstairs. Met her downstairs. I was really excited because I adore Tig Notaro in her comedy, uh, as I'm sure everyone listening does. And I meet her downstairs in our building, and she's um, she's just a little weirdly removed, I guess the best way to say it. Uh, she's a very warm, friendly person, so it was different than I was expecting to get. Uh she wasn't being mean or anything. She wasn't being a jerk, but I could tell something was going on. And I was uh, kind of walked around the building a little bit and then got on the elevator. And the whole time she was just sort of nodding and being being nice enough. But uh, something was off and I could tell something was off. So we get up here in the studio and she needs a, a moment to uh, to go to the little podcaster's room. So uh, I, I walk her over there to the bathroom and say, here you go. I'll be inside. It's fine. She takes a while. She gets on the phone outside and is sort of having a, a – it looks like a fairly intense conversation and uh, wraps that up. And then we get into the studio. We sit down and we, we are just sort of small talking initially and she starts to cry right there 
in front of my face and I don't know what to do. Um, she's just sort of crying and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I, I go, all right, listen, um, I'm going to give you a minute. And her assistant's actually in the studio with us. So I said, I'm going to give you all a sec, uh, and step out, um, and let you, you know, deal with whatever's going on here. So I go out and I start chatting with producer Noel and I'm like, Dick's in there crying. And he, you know, he saw what was going on through the, through the window here and nobody knows what to do. Jerry's kind of over there too. And we're all just sort of wondering what we should do. So I give it a little bit of time. Finally, her assistant comes out and says, Hey, she's good. She wants to do this. So I was like, are you sure? And he says, yes, come back in the studio. I sit down and I said, listen, Tig, I said, we do not have to do this. I said, whatever you've got going on is more important than this silly little show. And I will not think any less of you, uh, if you want to postpone or cancel or whatever. I said, you take care of yourself here. That's what's important. And she said, uh, she said, no, 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 I'll be all right. I was like, all right. And, uh, I was like, are, are you sure? She said, yeah. And she looked at me. And she looked at her phone and she was sort of still wiping tears from her eyes. And she said, it looks like I'm going to live. And I just stop. And I start to get a little emotional, honestly, because I'm a sensitive guy. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, that was my doctor. And she said, I had my five-year results from my cancer treatment come back. And it was basically a call I was have been waiting on for three days on whether or not uh, the cancer was back. And if the cancer was back in the way that they thought it could be, it would be a death sentence for me. And I just got the call. I'm going to live. And I am like literally fighting back tears at this point. Uh, it's a, she's two feet from me, and it's a very intense situation. And she's sort of crying, laughing at this point. So it's a good call. That's the great news. Um but she was just overcome, obviously, and so we kind of chat for a moment about uh, she she called her uh, her wife Stephanie and shared the good news with her, and they were crying, and it was just really uh, a super super special moment. But even so, even though it was good news, I said, "Listen, seriously, I know it's great, but if you you still don't have to do this, like we're literally sitting here about to talk about the movie Mask." And I don't blame you if this is like not what you want to do right now. And she said, no. And she said, you know what? She said, this is exactly what I want to do right now. So that's the setup for this episode. Uh, my second interview ever with someone, um, for the show, uh, not like the most accomplished interviewer yet. So needless to say, I was sort of on ice skates at this point. Um, but it made for a really good conversation and, uh, I just really hope you enjoy it. So here we go uh, with Tignataro and Mask. Man. Well, and, it's, and especially after everything. Like, <laughs> well, and I'm right at me? my five-year um, mark where uh-huh. I'm supposed to be technically in remission. Right. And people have been congratulating me, and I've been, like, walking around with, like, well, or I might be terrible. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so I've just been like, come on. Let's just get this news and yeah. um, uh, and a funny 
addition to this is that Thomas was just talking about how uncomfortable he is with <laughs> people crying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never cried. We've worked together now for a long time. I've never cried in front of him. And then I'm like, oh, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah, like, like the day after, he's like, Thomas. well, I'm a little awkward when people cry. And right. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I have to release this. Um, <laughs> This sad but very excited, new excited energy. I prefer that they were ex-girlfriends. Yeah, he was specifically <laughs> talking about ex-girlfriends. Okay, so, I am um, on track. Good. I'm alive. And Stephanie knows I told it. I, I told it. I told her, <laughs> and she was texting that she was crying, and oh I think gosh. that really triggered me. Yeah. Well, and you have <sighs> kids now. It's like, yeah. not that it's ever like, yeah, it's a light situation. News. Yeah, but, um, but I have a lot in my life that yeah. I love. That's awesome. So everything's going great with the kids? Yeah, everything's – I mean, I, I really have a pretty splendid life. Yeah. <laughs> so there'd be a lot to mourn. Yeah, no so, kidding. Um, wow. wow. Yeah, anyway. Boy, this uh, is going to go down like, yeah. in history Weird. for me. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, My apologies – Oh no, there, everyone. I think you have this thing where everyone cares about you so much as fans. Oh, that's so Because nice. you've been so, uh, open about all your experiences, uh, the past few years. So I think everyone feels yeah. like, like you get a collective hug <laughs> oh, from your fan base, which I don't know if you can feel that. I'm sure you can. I, I, I definitely can. So Thomas gets the residual stuff oh, uh, really? at the merch booth. Uh, are you doing season two of? One Mississippi? It's coming out September 8th. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. That's so great. Thanks. Um, I think it has one of those uh, – I think the quality that I find in a lot of TV shows is attractive to me is heart. Mm-hmm. And um, like Master of None is another one. Mm-hmm. And I think both those shows just have so much heart. Uh, and that's something you can't manufacture, you know. Right. So uh, it's it's great. You can manufacture it. <laughs> it's just – do you want to watch it? Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> False heart, I guess. Um, but my fam, uh, family's from Mississippi, so it's sort of. That's what he was, he was reading that to me in the car. Oh, how, how did you know? Wikipedia. Oh, is that on there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> my family in Mississippi, they, um, started an email chain that I was on, uh, talking about how I have a Wikipedia page uh-huh. and they were all like oh chiming in like wow <laughs> right. and i just like you really saying, made it guys <laughs> i've actually done a lot of other things and you could probably have your own wikipedia page too right i mean yeah. somehow some uh-huh. way yeah um but this is not my biggest biggest accomplishment right <laughs> um i hope not well, I think for a long time, I, I, stuff you should know had a page, but I was like, no, why don't I have a personal page? And then that happened. I was like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. But, um, yeah, my family, my dad's, uh, ancestry is from like Tupelo uh-huh. and Jackson and, uh, Pontiac. Pana- I don't know. No, uh, yeah. I do not. Yeah. Know. It's one of those. That's your, that's your family. <laughs> You'd have to tell just, me. You know, all the towns in Mississippi, right? <laughs> So uh, I, I went there as a kid growing up and stuff. So it's kind of cool to see. Um, uh, although you didn't grow up there, right? You grew up no, in Houston. I was, I was born in Jackson. Then we moved to Pascrishan, Mississippi on the okay. Gulf Coast. And then, yeah, we moved outside of Houston to Spring, Texas. Uh-huh. And then used to spend our um, 
summers in New Orleans and Jackson and Hattiesburg and Uh Pascrishan. Right. Yeah. So you're familiar with this weather. Didn't yes, freak I you am. out too much? <laughs> no. Good. Sounds um, good. Were your uh early days in Houston like were you a big moviegoer? Was how did did they factor in? Um I went and saw Greece and Star Wars, which are kind of my two big um yeah. movies. Uh-huh. Um, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I I you know what? I, I remember going to see Eddie Murphy, his uh, concert films, and also, you know, all Molly Ringwald movies. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah, just all that kind of, I guess, Rat Pack type stuff. sure. Molly Ringwald. Yeah, Breakfast Club. I think I've always been a little more of a music person. Right. And I've followed stand-up a lot also Uh until I got into it. Comedy records and – Sure. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, I think consistently through life, I'm always more heavily in the music yeah. uh, world. Uh, Thomas and I were driving <clears throat> to Georgia yesterday, and I mean, just going through anywhere from the Indigo Girls uh-huh. to Frightened Rabbit to yeah. Ronnie James Dio. Oh uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's like, a nice swing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. There's a Venn diagram in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it was a fun. Uh, it was a fun little drive. So you drove on this uh, – I think you said you were Mississippi and then Oxford, Yeah, Atlanta. Oxford, Birmingham, oh, okay. Atlanta. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Th- Thomas and I were talking before how um, – Do we mention who Thomas is? Yeah. Thomas <laughs> is your assistant who is feet from us yes. <laughs> giggling in the background. Yeah. Smiling. Yeah. I guess Just so weird. proud of me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just gave two it thumbs two up. thumbs All up. Right. Yeah. Roger Ebert. Um <clears throat> Yeah, we were talking about uh, stuff you should know did a Birmingham show and just how sometimes when you go to places like Birmingham and Oxford, they're just so appreciative. It's just yeah. really lovely. Well, I was reading um, about Birmingham and I guess it's the number one, unless I have completely wrong information, <laughs> right. but the number one most liberal city in the southern states. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. It, it, probably of a certain size maybe. I can't imagine it's more liberal than like Athens, Georgia. Um, um I don't, I don't know. I don't how do know. you measure how liberal a place is, too? Interesting. I, I, I'm not sure, but I could believe that though. Birmingham's pretty cool. Uh-huh. I think it has a pretty cool rep. Yeah, um, I, I was, I was stunned, and I think yeah. Atlanta was ranking fourth. Yeah, we're uh, the city of Atlanta mm-hmm. is, um, is fairly liberal, and like the in-town neighborhoods are. Well, I know it's fairly liberal. liberal. In Atlanta, I yeah. guess my shock was I thought it would be closer to, to the, the top. top. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I wonder what number two and three were. I don't remember. Again, I could have right. gotten all the wrong information. Well, that's and right. And I'm here to spread. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what the show's the about word. anyway. Um, so we can go ahead and get into mask uh, if you want. Sure. Um, I did. I uh, should let everyone know I verified a little nervously right before that it was not the mask, uh-huh. uh, the Jim Carrey movie, because I don't know. What I would have said about that. Well, here's the thing. There was a part of me that wanted to reach out and clarify sure. which one. <laughs> yeah, and a part but of then I also <laughs> thought it'll be hilarious uh-huh. if you research the wrong movie <laughs> I and that. I came in to uh-huh. do 
a more dramatic film, and yeah. yours is you've researched this over the top ridiculous uh-huh. film. Yeah, and so I was like, you know what, just leave it uh-huh. be. I appreciate and, that. And let it do what it wants to. Uh, yeah, that, I think I would be in a panic if I hadn't seen Mask and that happened. Mm-hmm. But Mask for me was. Um, it was a big HBO movie for me. Uh, I was born in 1971. And, I was too. Oh, yeah? What's your birthday? What's your birthday? March 15th. March 24th. Shut up. Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow, all right. Days but, in apart. Mississippi yeah. ancestry? Yeah. So when I was third, I guess we were 14 then in 1985. We were. When, yeah, it was kind of fun to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Mass came out and it was, um, I don't know about you, but... HBO, when that um, landed in my neighborhood, we were kind of one of the last neighborhoods to get it Mm -hmm. because I kind of lived out in the woods and on a dirt road until it was paved when I was like 12. So it was a really, really big deal. Well, now we're bragging. Right. (laughs) So HBO came late and uh, I would just watch some of these movies over and over again. And Mask was one of those. You know what my HBO movie was? What? (laughs) Under the Rainbow. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Chevy Chase. Yeah. Uh, what was the premise? So it was a Wizard of Oz, like, remake? No. Mm, I actually to don't do? even remember what the movie was about, but I remember there were just a lot of little people. Uh-huh. And um, I watched it several times a day. Anytime it was on HBO, yeah. I was like, well, I know what I'm doing with my time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't remember the premise. There was definitely a Wizard of Oz angle. I don't know if they were trying to do a remake or a musical or something. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nothing stuck right. except uh, Chevy Chase and little people. Yeah, and, same um, here. <laughs> and, but really, I think that's the movie I've seen most in my life. Oh wow! Is Under the Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to HBO. Yeah. Have it, you ever heard of that? No. Oh well. Yeah. Watch it. It, it didn't. Um, that's not one of the, like. That's not one of those you even hear about anymore. Of course not. It didn't live on in like the popular <laughs> I don't, culture. I don't or... think it was thriving at the time. No, but something like Mask, like still, yeah. you know, yeah. I think people still talk about that kind of movie. I bring up Mask a lot and it is often followed by The Mask. Yeah. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I watched it today mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, Mask is really hard to find. Um, like you can't even pay for it on YouTube. Oh. And, and as a rental, um, like I had to watch it on a, on YouTube, but it was a uh, – the screen was in the top little third of the corner. Uh-huh. And then all around it were like starbursts going uh-huh. off. And it was in <laughs> – Yeah, that's the original. So, yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Terrible quality. It was really weird, <laughs> but I've, I've seen it, like I said, because of HBO. I saw it I – I mean, I can't even hazard a guess, but – at least like 10 times probably. Yeah. So it's a movie I was really familiar with, but hadn't seen in many, many years. Uh, so it was, it was fun to, you know, kind of go back and watch it. Now, this is an embarrassing moment where I admit I didn't go back and watch it. That's okay. Okay. No, no, no. I that don't... wasn't like part of my homework? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there won't be a quiz. Okay. So you don't need to worry about okay. it. You remember the gist of the movie, right? Yes, I do. So Eric Stoltz. Oh, I, I remember, yes. Oh, okay. I thought, thought you were about to say I didn't know that's who that was. No, no, I for <laughs> sure did, yeah. I read a funny thing today where uh, apparently at the rap party, uh, there were crew members introducing themselves to him because they didn't see him out of his makeup. Oh. Uh, so they didn't even know Eric's, like what Eric Stoltz looked like. Wow. And I also read that Cher dated him after the movie. 
Which really? Is, yeah. Huh. Kind of tarnished it a bit. Yeah. In my head. That is, that's bizarre. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit weird. I was about to say, are they the same age? But I oh, no. guess that doesn't matter. Well, no, of course not. But um, My wife's 15 years younger than me. I think that's about the age difference in okay. Sharon Eric Stoltz. Did I just ruin it for you about no. me and Stephanie? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't tarnish. Because, well, you didn't play her mom in a movie. so <laughs> No, I played her love interest in a movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, she's really good in One Mississippi, too. It's like that's part of the heart of that show, I think, is this like – little sweet budding uh, relationship that you guys have. She's so good. And season two, she's so good. Really? Oh, my gosh. Who is the guy that uh, plays your dad? Or, or I guess stepdad, yeah. Um, John Rothman. Boy, he's so good. He's phenomenal. And I've seen him, like, over the years as a character actor. But, jeez, uh, that role is just so, like, internal. But um, mm-hmm. he's, he's doing a lot with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really uh, – Fun to watch. Yeah. I just can't wait for season two. Very excited. Um, so you know probably that Springsteen was supposed to be the songs, right? Or do you know that? No. For, for Mass. I know uh, what uh, – don't uh, – Bob Seger? <laughs> yeah. Bob Seger was the sound the uh-huh. soundtrack? Yeah. So he he was the, the stand-in. Um, Peter Bogdanovich, um, the director – was insistent on Springsteen being the guy mm-hmm. because in real life, the real Rocky Dennis was a Springsteen fanatic. Ah. And so um, very famously, he uh, they had a, a, a battle because I think the record label um, and the – I can't remember if it was Columbia or Universal, who was who. I think Springsteen was on Columbia and Universal was the, the movie studio. But they – someone didn't like each other and they uh-huh. wouldn't allow it and um, – and Bogdanovich later sued the studio because they made him use Bob Seger, uh, whom I don't even think he cared for. Really? So, Bob Seger, yeah. I feel like, makes that movie. Oh, really? Catmandu? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the end credits, I remember um, – what Bob Seger song is that? Um Well, I can't tell you because I watched the director's cut today, which has Springsteen. Really? Yeah. How was that? It was a little like Bizarro Mask because you're right. Like it's such a through line, uh, the Bob Seger stuff. And then having seen the Seger version 15 times, I knew that the Springsteen version was out there. Uh, so it was a little strange hearing like Thunder Road and Born to Run. And uh, I'd be so curious yeah. to see that version because I feel like Bob Seger represents way more of that world. Like the, the sort of biker. Yeah, that yeah. biker world than uh, Bruce Springsteen <laughs> does, you know. Bob yeah. Seger is just on the nose. Yeah. Yeah. And the Kathmandu song especially um, because, you know, one of the big subplots of the movie was his Europe trip. Yeah. That he was going to take with his friend. Yeah. I mean, so, so great. Yeah. All right. So Seger, you're in the Seger camp. <laughs> I love Bob Seger. You're not a fan. Uh, well, we actually had a thing on Stuff You Should Know where I complained about Bob Seger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was complaining about a specific song, Turn the Page. Mm-hmm. You know the song? Of course. I'm a Seger fan. And How many I, times do I have to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I made it – I think it may have just been so I could make the joke that should have been called Turn the Station. Uh-huh. Because um, I always thought that was kind of a funny joke. And yeah. then um, we I heard a lot from a lot of people. Seeger loyalist that kind of gave me shit for that. And then Metallica, did you hear their remake of Turn the Page? Oh, no, I don't think so. It's great. 
is just a heavy, slow version. Yeah. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. It's, I'm not typically a fan of remakes of anything. I'm always right. like, I think they had it handled, guys. Relax. Right. But I feel like Metallica did a really great Metallica version of Turn the Page. Wow. I'm going to have to hear that. Yeah. Well, it's sort of the ultimate uh, Grizzly Road song, mm-hmm. you know, as a touring artist. I, think. I do – like when I hear that song, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> that's me turning the page. Wow. Well, you're definitely going to have to check out the Springsteen version. I think you can get it on DVD unless you want to watch the weird um, third screen YouTube Starburst version. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> um, but as far as the bikers go, um, I don't know like what kind of growing up – uh, you did in mm-hmm. Houston, but I was a very um, sort of sheltered Southern Baptist boy mm. uh, before I came to my senses later on in life. And um, the notion of like the, a biker gang was very uh, exotic and scary to me. <laughs> um, so to see this movie where they were like, you know, loved puppies and did like blood drives. I don't know if you remember that scene where they were like had a blood drive at one of their bike rallies. I don't remember. It was kind of early on, and that's okay. where they had the puppies, and okay. uh, they all, you know, cared for Rocky and loved one another. Yeah, and it was just very kind of mind blowing for me to see uh, this other world of like the bikers that I shouldn't fear them. Well, I think it's that typical situation, whether it's bikers or punk rockers or right. you know, just that whole like we take care of our own. Yeah, and, yeah, and then they. You know, all the little spikes on the jackets, whether you're a biker or a punk rocker, it's just the, you know, stay away from me because if you get too close, I'm actually right. really soft and right. I love puppies and I, I love babies and I'm, yeah. it's like they don't trust how sensitive they actually are. So uh-huh. they have to put the spikes on their coat. Yeah, that makes know? sense. And they're just like, back off. Right. I cry easily. <laughs> but they, yeah, they can show that love to each other though. Yeah. I well, think when they're within their little community uh-huh. and they're, um, they, they have their little puppies and babies and. Well, I, it seemed unrealistic to me as a kid, but now that I'm older and I look at that, I think that's probably, you're probably exactly right. Yeah. And Bogdanovich probably nailed the biker scene mm-hmm. like more than anyone else. <laughs> Yeah, I whenever I see bikers, I'm I'm always just like, I'm not scared of you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a biker. Oh really? Yeah, I have two motorcycles. When I'm did not, this happen? Uh well, I started riding motorcycles well, I mean, how long do we have? I mean, the story triggers another, but That's all right. I always wanted to ride motorcycles uh-huh. and I had a friend growing up that invited me when I was in fourth grade to come over and ride motorcycles mm-hmm. in her pasture. And I was, and she said, do you know how to ride a motorcycle? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and so I went over <clears throat> to her house and, uh, we were going to ride motorcycles and it was just a mini bike. You know what a mini bike is? Yeah. It's just, you don't have to like switch gears. Uh-huh. Or, it's just gas and brake and they're like preteen motorcycles. Yeah, but they're just like little little things. Uh-huh. And um and so I got on her mini bike and I just was like what and I mean no control of the yeah. bike. I just went shooting off through the pasture over like a bump and then right. hit like a, <laughs> a hole in the and then I slammed into the fence. Oh no. And fell over and I had hurt my hand 
and I just wanted my mommy. Yeah. You know, sure. and I had gone from just feeling so like, yeah, I, I know how to ride a motorcycle because I truly just thought it yeah. was just doing vroom, vroom with your hands. And you'd probably and, ridden bicycles, of yeah. course. So, well, sure. and I'd been watching the Fawns <laughs> and <laughs> I've be? been watching uh, Evil Knievel, uh-huh. who I was obsessed with. And yeah, I had all those like wind up Evil I had the very same toy, yeah. And my mother stopped buying them for us because the Evil Knievel doll ended up twice on our heaters that were on the floor uh-huh. and melted. Right. Um, but anyway, when I was 17, I was going to play pool at this pool hall with uh-huh. my friend. And there's this motorcycle shop next to the pool hall. And I had already dropped out of high school and had a job. Right. And um, and I had saved all this money. And, and I was like, should I buy that motorcycle? <laughs> And my friend, I still didn't know how to ride one. And she was like, yeah, you have to. So we went back the next day and I bought the motorcycle. And when my friend and I went into the shop, this was our plan. Yeah. We were pretending like I had broken my foot so (laughs) I can't ride. So could he teach my friend how to ride a motorcycle? We weren't going to admit. That's a good plan. Yeah. So Did you have to limp? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I had to, that was my first acting job. <laughs> right. So, um, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, my foot's broken. Can you just show her how? So he did. And we learned and, and, um, we didn't even have motorcycle helmets. We had brought along a go-kart helmet. Uh-huh. And <laughs> a plastic football helmet. <laughs> and we rode the motorcycle. Wow. Yeah. Like a Houston Oilers helmet yes. or something? Yes. Yeah. And um, we just were so amused by it. it was her little brother's uh, plastic football helmet, and um, and then I ended up selling that. And then so they sold you a bike with uh, to some to a young lady, seventeen year old lady, limping with a plastic football helmet. Yeah, well, they didn't see the helmets. <laughs> oh, okay. That was something we took out of the car. Later. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. For safety. I, yeah. I wore the. Um, we didn't want to be pulled over by the cops. Right. Well, of course. So you know, you grab your. Football helmet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> nothing to see here, officer. Right. And um, so I ended up selling that motorcycle. I had that from when I was 17 until I was um, probably 23. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Uh, Is that and, your primary mode? Um, no, I had a car okay. as well. Um, and then I bought years later – I bought a couple of uh, vintage motorcycles that I still have. Nice. But Stephanie no longer yeah. will allow such a thing. I think a lot of people go through that thing, especially if you grow up loving Evil Knievel and the Fonz. Yeah. To where you, at one point I've thought about it like, oh, man, I know they're dangerous, but they're just so cool. Yeah. And uh, I got married. My wife was like, no, yeah. just go ahead and get that thought out of your head. So did you own a motorcycle? No, I never oh, did. Oh, okay. I, I think I'd kind of thought about it here and there over the years. Well, yeah, Stephanie said probably before we were together, she would have thought it was fun and cool and right. whatever. But she saw somebody die on a oh. motorcycle. Yeah. And it's she said stuff. it just – there's no way. Yeah. If, if, if it was before she saw that. Right. But then after. So he's like, it's me or the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so these jury's just, still out. They collect yeah. dust in your garage? They do. Okay. They do. I no, think I'm going right. to get rid of one of them. Yeah. One uh, it's one of them's gold mm-hmm. and one of them is teal colored. They're yeah. um, Honda CB350s. 
And uh, oh, those are cool. Really cool. Yeah. One's a 69, one's a 70. The gold one uh, is named Goldie Honda. <laughs> and uh, the teal one is um, – what's her What's her? Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to have something to do with teal. No. no. I know. That's the setup and then – Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> fooled you. Goldie Honda and Kurt Russell sit in my Who garage. Who you going to sell? Who am I going to sell it to? Yeah, I mean, you love them both. Oh, I'm, can't I'm split for, up that no, couple. I'd for sure sell um, Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goldie Honda stays. Yeah, Goldie Honda was the first, and and I had that motorcycle. I did like 10 episodes or so of Sarah Silverman's first TV show. Yeah. And um, I had that motorcycle in that show, and so there's kind of an attachment. Right. What if your sons grow up and they're like, why don't you have two motorcycles for it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> My good friend Rick is – he collects motorcycles and he races motorcycles. Yeah. And behind Stephanie's back to the babies, he's always like, yeah. we're going to ride motorcycles, <laughs> buddies. <laughs> you guys get him a sidecar. Those yeah. are kind of cool. Um, that was a great story. Thank you. Uh, so the bikers – well, first of all, we need to talk about Cher in that movie. Yes, we do. Because um, I don't know anything about Cher's uh, – process in her career mm-hmm. and I may be wrong but I've always had the feeling that she can kind of be in anything if she wants to be or at least put herself out there to just act all the time yeah but, but she, she's only done yeah like, like not five a, movies yeah I feel like she's could do whatever she wanted to but it's perfect purposely just sort of been super selective. Yeah, I mean, you hear about people being selective. Yeah, but she really walks She's walk. really selective. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, seriously, only the greatest movies ever. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, Witches of Eastwick, uh, Mask, Moonstruck, of course. The Sonny and Cher show. <laughs> That's a great movie. <laughs> um, but I know that Mask was, I think, she had a, oh, well, she was in Silkwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had a s- small part in Silkwood before this, but this was, her first big starring role mm-hmm. and um, and everything that she's in, she's just so good mm-hmm. and like real and authentic. And um, I like I've always wanted more share in my life. Yeah. Like I think in, we in my movie do. life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Cher's going to do what Cher wants to do. <laughs> we can't boss this woman around. No. Uh-uh. No. And apparently Peter Bogdanovich couldn't either because uh, apparently they um, there was some friction because she was sort of new and she wanted her boyfriend to play Gar, uh, who was Val Kilmer uh-huh. at the time. So like after you see Sam Elliott, oh I mean, God. he is Gar. Yes. I'm surprised that's not his name. Yes. Uh, like, uh, you know, cause remember what Val Kilmer looked like in 85. Yeah. Like there's no way he could have pulled that part off. No, man. Gosh, that Gar. That, yeah. I mean, come uh-huh. on. I know. <laughs> that mo- do you love that movie? Yeah, or I do. Or do you just go, yeah, you know, I like it. No, no, no. I love it. Um okay. And seeing it today, it kind of brought back a lot of – Did it hold up? Yeah. Because I haven't seen it in a handful of years. It does hold up. It, um, I think it avoids that like movie of the week thing uh-huh. that it easily could have been uh-huh. because Bogdanovich was a director uh-huh. and like a really like masterful director and the casting, you yeah. know. Um, like my mom has, has been in love with Sam Elliott since she was from that generation of uh, – of mustachioed hunks mm-hmm. of the seventies yeah. were kind of right up her alley. Did she like uh, Tom Selleck? She loved Tom Selleck <laughs> and Burt Reynolds. Okay, sure. Uh, in fact, uh, Smoking the Bandit filmed um, uh, 
in Atlanta oh, and right. uh, shot uh, some scenes across from my elementary school. And our station wagon is in one of the scenes. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, she... How did you wait so long to bring this up? <laughs> well, this gets even better. She, um, For probably 12 years after that movie, in our garage, we had the uh, sheriff uh, Jackie Gleason's car door in our garage. It was knocked off of the car in a scene in the movie. And you were somehow, so closely tied to my this. Da- I know. Somehow my dad got it and we had it in my garage and for years until my mom was like, get rid of that thing. <laughs> get rid of that piece of movie history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Uh, but anyway, long story short, she drug me down one day to meet Burt Reynolds. He did like an autograph day. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things, you know, I'm like, I don't know, nine or 10 years old in line for hours and hours yeah. to meet Burt Reynolds. Uh, and have him you know, like smack his gum in my face and like <laughs> hit me on the chin and sign a thing for my mom. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Cause there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join us. If you want. Obviously, we never force anyone to just blindly join us. That'd be crazy! But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please join us on Spotify. Visit spotify.com slash last podcast to listen free. You know what movie history I have um, that I didn't realize was movie history at the time? I used to work for Sam Raimi. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And In what capacity? I was an assistant. Oh, cool. And I mean, not his personal assistant, uh-huh. but I was just an assistant for the company. You hear that, Thomas? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I remind Thomas near daily about assisting Sam Raimi. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you how it's done, Thomas. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but when I was – I think the company was moving out of a building or I was – I can't remember how I – acquired Sam Raimi's old um, file cabinet. Oh, wow. But I acquired – I started working for Sam Raimi when he was finishing up um, A Simple Plan. Uh-huh. Great movie. And moving on to – he was in – he was finishing that and then he was in pre-production on his big – first big movie, which was um, – Spider-Man? No, no. no um for Love of the Game with Kevin Costner. Right. That <clears throat> so, was weird. Yeah, I know. Everybody, <laughs> yeah, there's one moment where Kevin Costner's hand is bleeding um, and there's like a shot that everyone's like, oh, there's Sam. Oh, it looks like Evil yeah, Dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> But um, so I have this um, file cabinet and I remember when I brought it home, I was like peeling all the labels off that uh-huh. said like Dark Man and Evil Dead One <laughs> and Evil Dead Two. And Wait, did you have it just so you could use it? I was as gonna, your own. Oh, yeah, I wasn't even like thinking. Oh, this is Sam Raimi's file cabinet right. with like historic little stickers written uh-huh. on it. 
And, um, and I couldn't fully get the stickers off and I just bailed halfway and just wrote like comedy on one and like <laughs> you know, just all these stupid labels that have to do with me. Right. But, um, then years later, um, you know, after he went from just cult iconic director yeah. to just like one of the biggest A-list directors you can find, uh-huh. <clears throat> I looked at the file cabinet. And I was like, thank God I was unable to fully scrape yeah. off Evil Dead and Dark Man and uh-huh. all these labels, <laughs> even though my stupid, like, com- comedy label is written on there, too. That's pretty funny. It's a funny merging of yeah, yeah. my stuff and Sam Raimi's <laughs> file cabinet. But I have that. You're like, I had Johnny Ron's base case and I had a <laughs> yeah. bunch of stickers. I couldn't get them off. It's fine. I used it as a, a planter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So did you – do you still have that? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. And use it? I do. And now you tell everyone, right? <laughs> well, it comes over? it actually hasn't – it's in my garage, so I always forget. Oh, with Goldie and Kurt? <laughs> yeah. It's nice. real – it's a real – I need to get Cher to come over and hang out in the garage. <laughs> uh, do you, does Sam Raimi – do you know him now? Like does he know who you are and that you worked for him or uh, – Yeah. He um, – he, I made a couple of short films. And he paid for both of them. Oh. One well. is called Clown Service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw that. He paid for that? Uh, he did. Oh, wow. Uh, well, he, portion of it. Uh-huh. Um, and my first short film called Poop Dreams, colon, <laughs> a series of stained shorts. I don't think I saw that one. He, uh, I'm certain you haven't. It's not anywhere to be found. Okay. You've never heard of this, Thomas? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sam not only paid for it, but he's in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, he gave a chunk of money to Clown Service. Awesome. Yeah. Because that Clown Service kind of helped put you on the map, didn't it? <sighs> or did it? No. Oh, okay. No. I it only came up. out a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. I wrote it 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And then I started a Kickstarter fund to raise money for it right. five years ago. Oh. And then I had a few bumps in the road in life. Oh, and yes. And it stalled the production. And uh-huh. then uh, I made it two years ago. I know what I'm thinking of now that I read about it recently because of uh, – A controversy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's why. There is a controversy around it. Yeah. You got ripped off. I, I don't, you don't need to say anything. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Controversy. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just uh, know that I wrote it 20 years ago. I made it two years ago. And clear. it's based on uh-huh. true events from my life. Right. So – it so, might have put me on the map to some people who had never heard of me. I know the first time I saw you was the the Conan O'Brien appearance where you uh, where you shoved the stool around. Um, I was just like, "Who is this? That yeah. is the best thing I've seen." Thank you. And um, and uh, Paul Tompkins was the guest that mm-hmm. night too, right? Yeah. So I'm a fan and sort of friend of his now, uh-huh. and that was uh, why I was watching that night. Was to watch Paul. Yeah, and then uh, you came on and did that, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome! This is the well, coolest." It's funny because <laughs> when I when I pitched that idea to the booking agent and producer, they were like, "I said, so I just want to, you know, push a stool around," <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Well, um, I trust you, but I just, right. you know, I think I need to see it." And I was like, "Yeah, it just makes." It's like, no, you really need to hear it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> makes these squeaky noises and uh-huh. it makes people laugh and then it makes them not laugh and yeah. then they laugh and then they don't. <laughs> and, and he was just like, let me let me just come see this. Right. And um, I was like, yeah, sure. And so he came and saw me do it live and, uh-huh. he, and he was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, so that was part of your act for a while? 
Uh, for a little bit, yeah. Right. And, um, and then when I did it, I, when I was doing it on Conan, I couldn't get the stool to make the noise it was supposed to make. Uh-huh. So I just went on a leap of faith, yeah. um, literally and leapt up closer to where Conan right, yeah, you and brought Paul it on were. That second stage. Cause there was, uh, plexiglass, uh-huh. uh, underneath the plexiglass floor were these lights. Oh, right. That come up. And so I went over and I was, you know, running it, running it across the plexiglass uh-huh. and it was just making. Yeah. <laughs> this just a sweet, sweet Someone noise. Scratch is still there. Well, yeah, I think yeah. I'd probably He's told you. Scratch yeah. the floor. <laughs> you probably heard it directly from me. Um, but yeah, I I scratched the floor. No, the scratch isn't still there. They had to have it buffed out. Oh. But what is still there is the sound of the stool and the one of the sound guys, I guess, uh-huh. to annoy Conan. Oh. <laughs> we'll play it every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I think, well, it was kind of great that you went up to that second level because then you had, uh, Andy and, and PFT mm-hmm. Conan like just dying yeah. in the background. Yeah. So that really added to it. It was really fun. So that was my introduce, uh, introduction to you. Uh, but. But you can watch Clown Service on Vimeo now. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that should settle any, uh, <laughs> controversy. Questions. Um. Two years ago. I do feel like I have, I need to mention though, we were talking about, um, how Mask. great, uh, well, how great uh, Gar was, yeah, and Sam Elliott. But those the the only thing in that movie that kind of took me out of it was, um, I don't know if you remember. There's the one scene at a party, one of the many biker parties, where he has a a mustache rides shirt on. No, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I probably knew what that meant when I was 14. Uh huh. And then I saw it today, and I was like, oh man, <clears throat> like Gar is way too cool to wear a shirt like that. It's like somebody walking around with a um. Hey man, or whatever Bart Simpson. Yeah, you know, or uh, don't have a cow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just like, wait, what are you doing? I remember yeah. a friend of mine was on a date and she ran off to the bathroom and called me and she's like, "I'm out with this guy and he's wearing a uh, what was that movie? The guy that that was filmed, I think, in Salt Lake City with the kind of nerdy guy. No. Uh, Thomas said Wayne's oh, World, by the way. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite. I yeah. guess he had some Napoleon Dynamite shirt on that on, on said first something. <laughs> yeah. And my friend was like, am I crazy? But this is such a turnoff. And I yeah. was like, no, it's it's telling of something that's Absolutely. not speaking to you. Yeah. If you choose to wear, like, it was probably a vote for Pedro. Yes, uh, it was vote for Pedro. On a first on date. On a first date. You're screaming. Yeah, because you pick out your clothes for a first date <laughs> and you think about it and deliberate. Yes. And you might try a few things on yeah. even. Anyone? I'd like to see the rejected outfits exactly. from that day. I'd see what T-shirts he did not wear. Can I tell you my favorite Gar moment? Yeah. And it's actually my favorite. It's my favorite. Well, oh, my gosh. Right when I start to say it's my favorite moment from the movie, then my brain jumps to other unbelievable yeah. performances by Cher. But Cher and Gar together, mm-hmm. um, I guess that's not her um, movie name. But anyway <laughs> – it's when um, – uh, Rusty was her name. Yeah. Yeah. It's when um, – and what's her son's name again? Uh, I'm bad with names, but I love the movie. Uh, Rocky. Rocky. Yeah. Rocky's gone off to camp mm-hmm. and Rusty is so devastated yeah. missing him. She's and then she's trying letters. to write a letter. Oh, my God. And that is a scene that when I would try to describe it to somebody, uh-huh. I would a lot of times start crying. Yeah, yeah. I know what um, <laughs> It's so – Raw, her love mm-hmm. for this child. Yeah. 
And when Gar comes in and he starts to try and write what she's saying, mm-hmm. and then he just stops yeah. and looks at her and, oh, man, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, just kill me now. Another few of those scenes are when Rocky confronts her about her drug use and she rips up one of his baseball cards. Oh. And he goes <laughs> yes. into his room and like it brings on one of his headaches. Yeah. Uh, brought on by his bone disorder. Yeah. And then uh she goes in there cuz you know, it's one of those parents uh kid is the parent uh, of uh, the parent. Yeah. kind of situations. And all he, he cares about is for her just to not do drugs, you yeah. know. And yeah. uh then she goes in there and does her her thing where she uh talks to him. Uh, to get his headaches to go away. Yeah. Cause they go to the doctor and they're like, what do you do? And they're like, oh, she, she talks to me and they go away. Yeah. And the doctors are very incredulous about that whole thing, of, of course. course. Cause it's an 80s movie. Yeah. But, uh, that scene just devastates me. Doctors are still incredulous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got a little experience there, huh? <laughs> um, and then the scene where Dozer, the big tough biker with the stutter. Yes. After graduation. Tells him that he's proud of him. Yeah. And that's the only thing he says in the whole movie. Yeah. I was crying in yeah. my room today. Yeah. It's like in there with the, the blinds drawn crying quietly. So were those, were those all the ones that destroyed you? Um, because I mean, there's a major one that's well, just like, come on. Yeah. No, that's not it. Okay. Shall I was we go say, on? Yeah. I mean, um, well, we may as well. I was, go I was and... thinking you might be a tough little cookie. <laughs> If that's all that destroyed you. Well, we should go to Laura Dern then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rocky goes to camp for the blind. Yes. And um, first of all, that's where like I developed a lifelong crush on Laura Dern, I think. Everybody says that. that. Yeah. Yeah. That movie kind of did it for me. And I still just adore her. But um, when he – well, first when she feels his face Mm -hmm. and, you know, he he tells her like he's not handsome and then he has this thing. And she feels his face and says, you look pretty good to me. Yeah. That, that gets me. Yeah, of course. Uh, and then when he, uh, and just the her, look on her face, oh, that yeah. sweetness and, and openness. Mm-hmm. Of, she already knows she loves this guy. Yeah. You know, and of course his face is, everything's going to feel. Yeah. And seem perfect to her. Yeah. It's just so sweet. Yes. Uh, and then when he teaches her the colors, uh-huh. uh, with the hot rocks and the cool things. Yeah. And like she gets it. She and gets the cotton it. Cotton balls. Yeah. It's just, just wrecks me. Yeah. But we, is that, is talking? that it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we should talk about his death. Yeah. Uh, it's devastating. Devastating. The... I was weeping this morning. I mean, I'm a big sap and a big sucker. I got, I don't know when I got so emotional. But um, have no qualms about breaking down and crying. Yeah, well, if uh, the spirit moves me, <laughs> I, I don't think we caught my boohoo session on <laughs> on uh, audio today. But no, obviously, we did not. I I will. Uh, you should watch Mask tonight. <laughs> oh my god! You need a good cry. I uh, don't. I'm, I'm boohooed out today. Well, so as you probably remember <laughs> in the movie, she um the the night before uh they're having another big biker party and he says that his headache's kind of bad. Yeah. So he goes in and just goes to bed and then she gets the call in the morning that he's not at school and she fucking knows right then mm-hmm. there's no way Rocky wouldn't be in school. Yeah. Cuz he like swept the academic awards. Yeah. And uh goes in the room and he's there and she knows he's gone. Yeah. But she's 
I'm getting in a little, <laughs> she's pulling the blinds yeah, up and yeah. talking to him like, yeah. you know, Come you're on, getting, Rocky, yes. you gotta get up. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It's just devastating. It's too, it's too much. It is. And, um, she keeps talking to him and then, you know, goes and kind of destroys her kitchen briefly. And it's just so painful because, uh, He's this this one bit of light she has in her life, you know. Yeah. Uh, very hard to to sit through that scene. And I remember being thirteen or fourteen, and uh, just like it wrecked me then. Yeah, you know, as a sensitive old Baptist boy. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I uh, I don't know if that movie is what started things off for me, but I'm I love movies that just destroy me. Uh huh. I do too. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, but that was I it's think, a catharsis in a way too. I think. Yeah. Or for me, it is. Yeah, probably so. Just to like Get be affected yeah. so deeply about something you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I'm not that way with music too. Like any piece of art now mm-hmm. can move me to tears. Yeah. In like a second. Yeah. It's that I I feel like that might be that that first dramatic film, and then it just became, yeah. you know, I I actually don't follow to like comedic movies uh-huh. or things like that it's just more like bjork and dancer in the dark yeah i'm there oh my god <laughs> talk about a heavy movie boys don't cry I mean, oh geez yeah. yeah but then my favorite thing to do when i leave the movie theater after movies like that as i'm going down the escalator with other people that mm-hmm. clearly just saw that movie i'm just like i didn't think it was that funny you know, right. or um, <laughs> what part, what did you think was the funniest part? Or, and people are just like. <laughs> it was <laughs> just, this human monster. Just, yeah. Um, it's always so weird in L.A. too because I lived there for like five years. And um, when you, you hole up in a dark theater and especially a heavy movie like that, mm-hmm. and then you come out and it's always just like you're at the fucking grove or yeah. something. <laughs> it's so alarming. A it's, trolley goes by. It is. It's alarming. <laughs> like a trolley full of tourists. Yeah. Um it's very disconcerting to uh-huh. me. Uh, I remember I left a movie at the Beverly Center one time. Can't remember which one it was, but you know they have like the series of escalators going down there. And uh, this is inconsequential, but I looked out to the side and there was something going on in a parking lot across the street. And I went down. And I was like, "What's going on over there?" And someone said, "Oh, the Go Go's are about to play. It's free." <laughs> I was like, "Are you shitting me?" So me and my friend like went from this downer movie, and we literally walked straight off oh, as yeah, the, the Go Go's <laughs> stage. And oh, they played. It was a little shorty promotional thing, but they did like their eight greatest hits and banged it out in like which are 40, great. Yeah, in like forty minutes, yeah. and it was it, it was one of those L.A. things. Where, like, did this just happen? Yeah, this is like the best day ever. Oh my gosh, the Go Go's are so great. Uh, so alternative. Not why I'm here, but <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty to say about that. Boy, yeah. Well, I mean, you're my age. That was that was our wheelhouse. Yeah, Seventy one. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this March. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Pisces, right? Well, are you Pisces or? Uh, I don't. I think I'm Aries. Uh, Stephanie There's follows a, all that. Yeah, and I, I think either. it's I'm like Pisces cusp or something. Yeah. But I truly don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, I don't Hilariously enough, I don't know what her sign is, and she is astounded every time uh-huh. she finds this out because <laughs> she talks about her sign all the time. Uh-huh. And you just don't remember. I never, I can't, I can't clock that. I can't quite register. It's not anything yeah. like that that I follow. So you could put a gun to my head, and I uh-huh. cannot tell you what <laughs> Stephanie's sign is. Well, we did a stuff you should know episode about astrology about how it was just bullshit. So. 
Don't feel bad. I know. I used to, with an ex-girlfriend of mine, uh, when we'd have an argument, she'd be like, oh, it's because you're an Aries. And everything <laughs> I did, she'd be like, yeah, it's because you're an Aries. Right. And I would always say, so you're telling me that if I was born just one day earlier, right. everything would be your fault? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it just, I, I'm baffled by, uh, I don't have information on it. And so I don't want to completely it's BS. slam stuff my wife believes in. Uh, but, Very uh, magnanimous. Whatever her sign is. And right. No. <laughs> I'm back, and you're welcome. The Ron Burgundy Podcast returns with a brand new season, and I'm pulling out all the stops. In the past, you've heard me speak and do a minimal amount of listening with luminaries from all walks of life. I've spoken to everyone from Gloria Steinem to the San Diego Chicken. How's that for a tapestry of audio entertainment? This season is going to be even more exciting. We've got some great guests lined up. So far, we've booked a couple of guys from the band Wang Chung, and that is it. Seriously, I'm not going to lie. We are underbooked, and it's a problem. I had to call the Wang Chung guys myself. They're friends and doing me a big favor. So anyone listening to this, help me out. If you know Timothy Chalamet, tell him to return my damn calls already. Listen to the Ron Burgundy Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Really quickly, speaking of alternate casting, um, Kevin Costner, who you mentioned uh, Mm -hmm. from Sam Raimi's movie, was almost Rocky Dennis. Do you want some Costner trivia? I'd love some. Do you know what his production company is called? Oh, boy. Can I get a guess? Sure. Um, Kicking Bird Productions. That's correct. Tig no, Productions. Really? Yep. Why is that? Uh, I, something about like his grandmother. I, I'm not sure. But uh-huh. Kevin Costner was a star of For Love of the Game. Yeah. When I worked for Sam, oh, there was a mix-up, a couple of mix-ups, where cash was delivered to me uh, when I was at my office that was clearly supposed to go to the production uh-huh. or someplace else. I right. don't know. I also ended up on a conference call <laughs> with Kevin Costner and somebody else and looped in. I'm just wondering about the cash. Is that how Costner operates? He just has cash delivered? I think it was just petty cash oh, or okay. something. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant like a briefcase or no, something. No, I ended cash. up with an envelope of petty cash right? Uh, that clearly had to do with the production. Uh-huh. And then I ended up on a conference call going, hello? <laughs> hello? Who Who is that? This is Tig. <laughs> and it was Kevin Costner and somebody else going, Tig's not what a do person. You who, yeah, it was a lot of... But it was me just really unaware of what was happening. Wow. And then I was like, I'm a, an assistant <laughs> over at – my name is Tig. And, and you were probably so afraid to miss any meeting. Like you felt like – Well, like, I was I gotta never be needed in a meeting. <laughs> well, that's why when you get the conference call, like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, like I got Well, they must really need me. <laughs> yeah, I got to get on this. Yeah. I was that's like, funny. a call for me? Okay. <laughs> I chime – I like press conference and I'm all of a sudden – in on a, a meeting. When did that, you hang up from the meeting? After they were like, okay, well, you know, can you hang up right. now? <laughs> we need to have our meeting. Yeah, when you were politely asked yeah. to leave. And now could someone actually connect us to TIG <laughs> Productions and not this buffoon right. answering the phone at the production office? 
is your production company Kevin Costner Productions? <laughs> it should be. It should be. That's a good idea. Uh, Rob Lowe was the other person who almost played Rocky. Mm, I don't have any trivia for you there. No, that seems like it would have just been weird uh, mm-hmm. stunt casting. Like, let's take like the most handsome guy in Hollywood and I can't stand stunt casting. The thing I face. pride myself on with my show, yeah, is that I, we hire who's perfect for the job. Yeah. And we, I personally uh-huh. am never like, I want to get a celebrity or right. I've always wanted to work with this person. And now this is the It's time. easier to buy into, I think, uh, for me as a viewer, because like when I saw the guy that played her stepdad, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I know that face. Like, I think he was in Ghostbusters. Well, see, that's the thing is if somebody's just like a character actor, yeah. working actor, I don't care. Sure. Or if they've never acted. But I do not want to like cram a bunch of famous no. people. No, that's weird. Show. And the guy that plays your brother, he's so great. He's so good. Yeah. It's and really he's so great second season. Oh, I can't wait. How many episodes? Six again. Okay. Yeah. That's good. A nice tight like There's no filler episodes. No, I feel that way for mm-hmm. sure. It um I watched it with my wife um well when it came out, but it was I think people try to do too much these days. Yeah. For more episodes. Right. Like anything over ten is I'm trying just to egregious. do less. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's finish up then with a couple of quick segments. Okay. You've been uh, kind enough with your time. Uh, one I call uh, What Ebert Said because Roger Ebert's my favorite uh, movie critic of all time. So I like to go back and kind of see where he landed. Two thumbs up from Thomas. Uh, <laughs> he gave Mass three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half? Mm-hmm. Huh. I wonder what the – Little half problem was. You know what? John Ronson said the same thing when he got three and a half stars on his movie. He went, yeah, I wonder why he deducted a half a star. Yeah. But I mean, so, really, what was the problem? I don't know. I guess he just didn't think it was a perfect movie. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> well, here's his quote. Uh, movies don't often grab us as quickly as Mask does. The story of Rocky and Rusty is absorbing from the very first, maybe because the movie doesn't waste a lot of time wringing its hands over Rocky's fate. Mask lands on its feet running. Mm-hmm. Not bad. And then five questions, and these can be short answers. Uh, I kind of – I don't even know if I have a name for this yet. Sort of like movie going one-on-one with, uh, with Tig. Or, and or, and I, you'll call that segment movie going one-on-one with Tig every episode? Every episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the first movie you remember seeing in the movie theater? I think it was Star Wars. Okay. That's good. I mean, we were six, so. Mm-hmm. We were. That's legit. 71, mm-hmm. March. <laughs> um, first R-rated movie that you remember seeing uh, in theater or on VHS or whatever. Porkies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't go near that one. I was That was so verboten in my life. I would have really I don't think anybody it. was saying, sure, go ahead, right. watch it. I think, um, you know, there was just other activities going on at my house uh-huh. that were more interesting to my mother right. <laughs> than uh, monitoring what I was watching. Up here watching Porky's. Right. Such yeah. a dumb movie now that we look back, though. You know? <laughs> didn't you know it was a dumb movie when you were watching it? No, because I didn't see it till I was much older because I oh. just thought it was – um I thought it was like, you know, the sexiest movie ever made <laughs> because there were – Body parts in there that aren't usually shown, and uh-huh. I literally thought it was like the filthiest movie. Yeah, like I have no recollection of the movie. Yeah, I just know a lot of nakedness. Yeah, I just 
I just know I watched it, yeah. and I know it was rated R. <laughs> um, will you walk out of a bad movie? And do you remember doing so? I have. I did walk out of a bad movie. Do you remember it? I do. Are you willing to go on record? I am not because a friend of mine was in it. Oh, no. <laughs> and okay. I, I was stunned. About how bad it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I, I saw a bad movie. I I think it was not tremendous. Uh-huh. And I didn't walk out uh, because my friend and I were laughing so hard that it ended up being so fun. Oh, laughing in the wrong way. Yeah. What was that one? Can you say that one? It was Kong. Kong. Skull Island. Oh, like the recent yeah. thing? Yeah. Okay. Did you see it? No. It looked – I knew better. Why did you go see that? Well, I love – You've got better I, things to do. I love the original <laughs> King Kong movie. Yeah, same here. And so when – Original meaning Jessica Lange. And, yeah. yeah. And so when this movie was coming out, I was – I just was hopeful. Sure. <laughs> and my hope huh. was completely yeah. annihilated. It's supposed to be really bad. It was just me and my friend and two other people in the theater. Uh And I don't know what the other people thought of us, Uh but we were (laughs) laughing so hard. Yeah. It, oh, so funny. It's one of the funniest. (laughs) I just can't believe it. Well, that's good that you stuck it out. You didn't walk out. I wanted to, but Uh then I just also wanted to see how much this would escalate into Uh ridiculousness. Yeah, how bad it could get. This movie felt like they turned in the first draft. Uh Nobody gave a note. Yeah. Everyone was just like, all right, all cameras go. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. We wrote the movie. Um, Can you name a uh, guilty pleasure movie? Aside from Under the Rainbow? (laughs) (laughs) A good point. Um, Like, is there one that you go back to a lot that's just kind of ridiculous and dumb? Yeah, I guess some people think it's ridiculous and dumb. And actually, now that I'm an... A fairly educated adult, uh-huh. I can see some flaws in it in uh, <laughs> in ways that are not socially accept. Like it's it's not just socially acceptable, but there's horrendous behavior, and you're cheering for an abusive person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Urban Cowboy. Yeah. That is a nearly perfect film, as uh-huh. far as I'm concerned. <laughs> sure. And that's a guilty pleasure because. Yeah. Um, I just I I think I relate to it and connect to it because a lot of like living in Texas mm-hmm. as a kid and that was Houston too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And living outside of Houston, I a lot of these people look very familiar to me. Yeah, I bet. And the the urban cowboys mm-hmm. uh, that lived in penthouse apartments right. and drove the big trucks and cowboy hats yep. and and you know my parents were friends with. Uh, the, specifically this couple that we used to go over to their house, uh-huh. I, it felt like that, it felt like John Travolta and that gr- new girl he started to date with the hair down to the, yeah, back, down the back. The Crystal Gale hair, Crystal as we would have called it back lady, <laughs> who I've seen her live at the rodeo, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I would say Urban Cowboy for sure. I, I could watch That's that movie one. and I love Deborah Winger. Oh man, she was so good. 
I mean, she, she still is. But. She uh, is who I wanted to play my mother on One Mississippi. <sighs> and she wanted to play my mother uh. on One Mississippi and wrote me this unbelievable email. Oh, wow. Just desperately wanting this to work. And then she got booked on um, – She had another show, right? Called The Ranch. Yeah, which I haven't seen. Ashton Kutcher. It's like a sitcom on Netflix. Oy. And then – Amazon didn't, you know, there was just a lot of uh-huh. like, we want somebody that, anyway, it didn't work. But the actress that does play my mother on One Mississippi is so phenomenal. She's great. And She's, it's like one of those things, like once you see her, like I can't yeah, imagine even Deborah yeah. Winger. And I know I already said I didn't want to litter a show with just famous faces, but. That wasn't, that wouldn't be stunt casting though. No. Oh my gosh. Deborah Winger. Yeah. Nothing better. Boy, Officer and a Gentleman but, still but is Cher. like. Cher. I mean, those two. Oh, Wow. Cher reminds me of my mother. Deborah Winger reminds me of my mother. Oh, really? Yeah, my mother is a little bit of a glammy. Well, no, she was just uh, she was very beautiful, but she she was wild and um, uh-huh. a little irresponsible, and so that character in Mask yeah. reminded me a bit of my relationship at times of, with uh-huh. my mother, and I think Sweet. it's also why it kind of killed me a bit. Yeah, I was before we get to question five. I was going to ask you is like what was it about Mask specifically? Um, for you. Yeah, that. it was the um, parent-child connection. And mm-hmm. I did feel like a lot of times I was the mature, together mm-hmm. one. And that I was a lot of times parenting and trying yeah. to get my mother to pull it together in different ways. And, you know, yeah, never happened. But Well, that kind of came through on the TV show. I kind of had a feeling that might have been part of it. What do you mean? Oh, the part of your love for Matt, the connection to Mass. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, Cher's portrayal very much reminds me of of my mother. But I also really connected to Deborah Winger um, as my mother because uh-huh. of that, like, just passionate, like, I'll rip your face off. I love my kids so yeah. much. Deborah Winger, Cher, kind of love for their kid. Uh huh. Yeah, for sure. I saw um, big mistake. I saw terms of endearment. Believe it or not, for the first time uh, last year on a plane, and uh, had to like put on my sunglasses and like <laughs> that is... in my seat. And then, and I told my wife after she's like, "Why the fuck did you watch that on yeah. a plane?" Yeah, it's like you know what that movie is. I was like, I, I thought I could handle it, but uh, yeah, could not handle it. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah. I don't know why it took me so long to see that movie because I loved Deborah Winger. Yeah. Officer and a Gentleman is one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. Yeah, and um, boy. Just speaking of wrecking me. Yeah. The whole movie wrecked me. Uh, and finally, um, what is your uh, – do you have like a movie ritual? Like do you kind of sit in the same place or get the same thing at the concession stand or – Oh, boy. I have always been somebody that gets popcorn. Mm-hmm. Well, I love Barks Root Beer. Barks, you know, is yeah. it's from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always get Barks, no ice. I'd always be like, don't fool, don't you even put ice in there because right. it comes out cold anyway. Uh-huh, sure. So just fill up the large one with barks, no ice. Yeah, you get so much more root beer. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I don't typically eat like that, but when I would go to the movies, mm-hmm. I was like, fill me up, yeah, big old barks and extra large, big gulp of popcorn. Yeah, and then throw some milk duds into the popcorn. Yeah, and um, classic move. But now I'm vegan. Oh. So Stephanie just reminded me the other day. She's like, oh, our milk dud days are gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And do you sit in sort of the same area or do you care? You know, um, this girl I dated several years ago, she told me the trick 
at this one theater in Los Angeles. Which that, one? Um, well, I don't want to tell you because I don't want – in case you're in town – if you're going to see a movie when I'm going to see Would it be that awful to bump into me? No, it's the uh, – well, I don't want you to steal my good seat. Oh, OK. Uh, it's at the Grove. OK, yeah. And if you sit with – you sit behind where there's um, bars, mm-hmm. I, I think it might be a handicap seating is in front. So there's right. no chairs there. Uh-huh. So if there's nobody in a wheelchair sitting there – and you sit behind those bars, you can just put your feet on yeah. those bars. Yeah. <laughs> I guess is. you could be a total jerk and put your feet up there if there's a wheelchair there. Yeah. But I would highly suggest uh-huh. being uh, a considerate human. Yeah, not doing that. Put your feet down, you slob. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway. Wow. So, so you that's, your, that's your secret tip. Yeah. Grove. But I also always have had a fantasy of going to a movie, walking to the front. Mm-hmm. The very front row, you know, right or left corner by mm-hmm. myself, <laughs> just in an empty theater. That just was sitting uh, there. That's John Ronson's move. He he sits in the front left seat. Well, I'll see him there. <laughs> I'll <laughs> sit on his lap. Just so strange. <laughs> God, I'd like to see that. Um, I, I I know we have to wrap up. I will say this is what my fantasy of I've always wanted to do uh-huh. is go into the um, Grove. Yeah. And just start making announcements to the theater mm-hmm. and not work there, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And just see how that goes for me. Yeah. See what takes. Yeah. And because the person, you know, that does work there is going to come in and. Right. And need to do the announcements <laughs> and ask me to leave. <laughs> Would you just freewheel it or. Yeah. Just like make sure you get your ticket validated and, you know, no talking. Turn off your cell phones. Uh-huh. And just oh, so like really, just, yeah, without, re- really yeah. tell people the rules. You know, please no talk. You know, just bathrooms are over here, uh-huh. and if you have to get up and get in, and then the person, the job that is, comes in and sees me doing it. Yeah. Oh, one day. One day, I'll do it. All right. Thanks, Tig. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming in. All right. So how about that? Tignataro and Mask, uh, mere seconds after getting the news that she was going to live. Uh, very, very intense, cool conversation. She is the best. The fact that she soldiered on through this. And uh, we I, I feel like we really shared a, a moment. And I think she even admitted it on the show that uh, she's going to remember this one for a while. So I feel lucky to have uh, to have been with her. When she found that news out, uh, very grateful that this all worked out this way and uh, not a bad way to get the second show uh, off the ground. So I hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next time on Movie Crush. And until then, uh, would you mind putting your phone away? Movie Crush is produced, edited, engineered, and scored by Noel Brown from our podcast studio at Pond City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. What made Vincent van Gogh one of the greatest painters and most tortured souls of all time? Was Harry Houdini predestined to become the great escape artist based on his family's great escape? I'm Dr. Gail Saltz, and on my new podcast, Personology, I'll be joined by amazing experts to delve into the minds of famous historical figures. 
If you want to know what really made exceptional people tick, then take a listen to Personology. Listen to Personology every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every shelter pet is unique. Some love a good game of fetch. Others would rather snuggle together with you on the couch. However, there is one thing that they all have in common. They are all pure love. And right now, millions of pets in shelters and rescues across the country are waiting to be adopted. Did you know that only 44% of dogs and 47% of cats in American homes come from animal shelters and rescue groups? The unique quality of each and every shelter pet adds up to an incredible bond between every shelter pet and every pet's parent. If you're thinking about getting a pet, make sure to visit the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, Maddie's Fund, and the Humane Society of the United States.